This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. I recently went to their Brentwood location to treat myself to a spa day. In addition to having a wonderful and deeply therapeutic massage, I really appreciated how peaceful and relaxing the spa environment is. The lounge that is available for guests pre and post treatments felt like a little sanctuary and retreat away from the outside hustle and bustle of LA. We are so excited to now be able to offer our listeners a discount at all milk and honey spas, including both LA locations in Culver city and Brentwood. We are even more excited to partner with them to offer a spa package called the courageous wellness retreat, a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. And for all our listeners in any location, their online boutique offers products from the milk and honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, Supergoop, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CWPODCAST. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package at a special discounted rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. And you can find all this information in our show notes. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Courageous Wellness Podcast. We have a great episode with our friend and return guest, Alicia Pope, which we'll get to in a second. But as always, we're going to start with our weekly updates and what's new with us. So Allie, let's start with you because you just came back from a very, very fun, fun little vacation. Yes. A fun little vacation in Oahu. So it was really nice to be in Hawaii for the week. Um, yeah, I've gotten to spend a little bit more time there over the last couple of years. And, uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. All the islands are a little bit different. I've only been to three of them, but, um, I really like Oahu, even though it's like Honolulu, it's big city. When you get there, the island itself has a ton to offer. I went on a beautiful, almost five mile hike in the middle of it, um, where it's like rainy and sunny all at the same time. Um, did a lot of sort of active adventure things, did, um, a kayaking trip, an ocean kayaking trip out to the twin islands from Kailua, which I loved doing. Um, a lot of, a lot of work though, physically, but it's so fun. And then of course, like the next day you can't move, but it's totally worth it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's been, you know, I I find that even on beach vacations or really like relaxing vacations, like Hawaii, I love being active. Like that's Mm. something that is really, I get restless just like laying on a beach or something like that. Like I like doing things. And I find that, just like at home, moving my body, but in fun ways that challenge my mind and, um, get to like, help me explore new environments. I I just incorporating those into any sort of vacation is always, um, really beneficial for me and my, my like wellness, my vacation wellness. Yeah, no. And, and Allie, that makes sense. Like the more I explore astrology and human design, like you're a triple Aries, you're a generator. Like, of course you like being active. Yeah. (laughs) Also it makes, I mean, I do too. I do too, but you like, I love, like, it's so I love this about you, but it's so clear knowing your astrology (laughs) and human design. It's like, yeah, that makes makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I really just, I kind of like prefer those kinds of trips rather than, I don't know. I love like I'll lay by the pool or the beach or whatever, but you know, I'll need a book. You know, I, I like something that I like to keep my mind and body um, kind of activated. Yeah. And active, um, part there's relaxation in that for me. Um, no. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, it's like I love active meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Even it makes me think of when we went on our podcast trip to Philly and New York and we were so, I know it wasn't a vacation. It was a work trip, but I felt really relaxed and peaceful when I came back based on like being in a new location, doing so much when we were there, it was, it was really fun. So I, I get that too, yeah. but, um, I like a little bit of both, which I'm sure you do too. Yeah. I, I'm a bit of a both person. Yeah, but it was lovely. And, um, I'm happy to be back fighting a little jet lag, um, trying not to nap <laughs> so that I can like adjust back to LA time. And I was on the East coast before that. So my body's like a little out of whack right now, but, um, anyway, yeah, that's kind of my update. A uh, really nice update to have. Um, what about you? How have you been doing this week? I'm well, speaking of body being out of whack <laughs> from, I, we did a podcast, um, a few months ago about my experience transitioning off of the birth control 
pill. And, um, I've shared a couple updates since then my cycle was very, very regular for what, like seven, eight, nine, I think like nine months. Cause yeah. it's almost been a year. And then I dealt with some stress. I had some, um, shoulder pain that ended up being a uh, nerve. We think like a nerve, like a pinch nerve. nerve. Yeah. Like yeah. a pinch nerve or a muscle strain. I have to go to physical therapy for it, but, um, the pain was so excruciating and I did have to take some pain medication for it. Some muscle relaxers, all of that, which honestly did nothing. It's a whole other experience, but, um, it leads me into two updates, which is, I don't know if it was the stress or, the medication or a combination of both, but my cycle has now been late a couple months in a row. So I'm exploring that. I know you're working with me on our hormones, but um, mm-hmm. I'll continue updating everyone as I know more, if it is related to going off the pill and it was some things that were maybe under the surface, but I don't think so because my cycle was so regular for the last yeah. nine months that like, I do think it is stress and medication related, which is just interesting to know about our bodies. I know many of our listeners are also female identifying, you know, the, the great majority of us are. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting about our bodies and how stress and medications can play into our monthly cycles. But with that, which brings me to my greater update, which is a fun side effect of the medication was I my GERD came back, which if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know, like before we started the podcast, I suffered with pretty bad GERD symptoms for like a year. Um, it was horrible and I was able to heal it through healing my gut and, um, it went away and it hadn't come back in about four years, but the medication did something to my gut lining or whatever. And all of a sudden, all these different foods were making me really, really sick to my stomach, like terribly sick. Um, so it was pretty horrible, but what my update is, is I'm happy to share that through following like a really good gut protocol, like really nourishing myself with bone broth and kraut and healthy fats and, um, everything that we talk about here on this podcast and through our courageous wellness coaching. Um, I'm happy to report that in just a couple of weeks, I, I do feel like my GERD has gone away, which is pretty incredible because I was pretty nervous as somebody yeah. who had dealt with pretty bad GERD for like a year, like it really impacted my life. Like I was even on my honeymoon struggling with GERD in yeah. Italy. It was horrible. Um, I'm like, wow, like this, this knowledge that we have, it really works. So coming up on our Instagram, I'm going to do a whole post about that gut protocol that I did to heal my gut post-medication. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, head over to courageous wellness and look out for that. But I guess that's kind of my big update. And I'm still kind of on an anti-inflammatory gut healing protocol just for my back and my gut. And, you know, hopefully that'll reflect in my cycle next month and I'll be back to normal, but it's been, it's been kind of interesting. So not as fun of an update on my end. (laughs) Yeah. But it's good to share that kind of stuff too, because it just shows you that like, I totally get that fear thing that comes back when you're like, Oh, this is something I used to suffer with. And Oh my gosh, I haven't suffered with it in like four years, but now it's, you know, it's like rearing its head a little bit. And that can be 
kind of like a freaky moment. I've had that before, but it just shows you that like there are ways and, and what we talk about and what we do, it's not quick fixes, but in just a matter of days and weeks, which a long time ago took years to figure out. Right. Yeah. But, but now in a matter of days and weeks after going off the meds and, and implementing this gut health, gut healing protocol, you, we know what to do. We know that these things, um, and these, these practices and these, even these foods, right. That can be really healing. It's that's exciting. It's that's exciting to hear the practical application of, um, how we can support ourselves. Even if we're having these moments of fear and discomfort and symptoms, there are ways to sort of heal from that pretty immediately. Absolutely. And I know, I know from all my study, my research and self-testing that you can start to transform your gut in just three days. I was having, even after I went off the medication, such severe GERD from tomatoes specifically and tomato sauce specifically that I didn't even, I didn't want to test it after three days. I did wait like the week. So you're right. Like, I don't know how quickly my gut started healing, but after, yeah, it's been only two weeks off the medication. And since I've had a GERD symptom and yes, I can happily enjoy some tomato sauce again. Thank goodness, because I don't want to live a life without my favorite foods. (laughs) So I want to work on my gut. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get to the episode with Alicia, which is jam packed with a lot of, uh, great knowledge and, you know, we love hearing her points of view on things. Um, and I think our audience will as well. I just wanted to share again, that today's episode is brought to you all by milk and honey, which is one of our favorite long-term brands and uh, that we've worked with. And we also, um, in addition to courageous wellness listeners enjoying 20% off on your next order at milkandhoney.com, which is a wonderful online boutique of all of our favorite sort of body and skincare products. Um, we have a partnership with their spas as well, which is so exciting. They have two locations in Los Angeles now, Brentwood and Culver city. And so you can use CW podcast code at both the spas or the online boutique. Um, yeah. And do you want to share a little bit about the other kind of fun, exciting aspect of the, of the spa partnership with our audience? Yeah, we're so excited. So they have eight locations in Texas and in Los between Texas and Los Angeles, as Ali mentioned for our local to LA listeners, we got Culver city and Brentwood, but they have locations in Texas as well. And their online boutique has like super goop moon juice, OCML, right? Yeah. Everything. So, um, CW podcast works as Ali shared in the spas and online, but what we're really excited about is if you do want to try their spas again, you can save 20% on any spa treatment, But we're very excited because in our partnership with them, we were able to help curate a courageous wellness spa package. And so this is the courageous wellness retreat. So what you get at a special, special rate is a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs. And this massage will focus on relaxation and stress relief. And then it also is combined as part of our package with body brushing. So it's an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush, which you get to take home with you after to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. Pretty incredible. So 
You can book this by either calling or booking online and using the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to book this package at a special rate. So definitely check out our Courageous Wellness Retreat. We really curated this with all of our listeners in mind. And it's something that we really love ourselves. Um, but again, if that package isn't for you and you just want to get a facial or a massage or buy some milk and honey products online, 20% off with CW podcast. So yes, we hope you check it out. And Ali, now let's get to the intro of the episode. Let's do it. So on this episode of the podcast, we welcome back return guest, health and wellness expert and friend, Alicia Pope. Alicia was originally back on the podcast in 2019, and so much has changed in her own world and wellness philosophy since then. Alicia is now primarily plant-focused, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, and she's helping women love their body and find food freedom. She's also the host of the Purely podcast and a certified Pilates trainer. Alicia doesn't believe in resolutions or quick fixes, but rather that we should love ourselves and make ourselves our number one priority year round. Her wellness philosophy is holistic in approach and teaches clients to manage their mindset around food and nutrition to ensure that they can ditch diet culture for good while enjoying and living the life they deserve. We have a really fun and informative conversation and hear all about Alicia's continued wellness journey and how she's taking everything she's learned to support other women. Tomorrow, we will also be featured on the Purely podcast linked in our show notes. So head over to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to get the episode when it drops at midnight. We hope you enjoy both conversations. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied, naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes, and in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code COURAGEOUS15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by Ned. 
Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. Ned is also USDA certified organic with all products extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How is that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. And today we want to talk about Ned's new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. I've gone through two bottles since it's come out and I could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one -one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health a key player in your mental health and cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also, Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1500 five-star reviews and they work with incredible partners within the medical field, like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find a link in our show notes. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for joining us again, coming back. We're excited to have you back. I'm so excited to be here. And actually too, it's like, it was fun to turn the tables on you guys as well over on my I, podcast. <laughs> I know. It's, isn't it fun when you're a podcaster yourself to then just like get to have the role reversal for a minute. A hundred percent. It's so nice. <laughs> so if anybody, first of all, let's say to our listeners, if you haven't heard Alicia's original episode with us, which is probably like three plus years ago now, three and a half years ago, maybe, um, definitely check it out, but we're excited to talk to you because you've evolved so much. Your business has evolved so much. So we're really excited to kind of dive in and hear how you've been, what you've been up to and all that good stuff. So um, just to start, if anyone has never heard that initial episode, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? 
Yeah, of course. And also so much has changed since then. So that's good too, to, to kind of dive into. So for anybody listening, I am Alicia Pope originally, but now I'm Eret, which we were just talking about because I was recently married, but I am a integrative nutrition health coach, went to IAN just like you two. So we're alumni together. And my whole mission is really just encouraging women to be the best version of themselves, but also through a lens of self-love. And and when I'm thinking of self-love, I'm not just thinking of, oh, you're obsessed with yourself all the time. It's more so this like unconditional sort of love of, you know, accepting yourself at all areas, kind of like when we think about, you know, loving our partners or loving our family, whatever. It's not like we like them 24 seven, but we're unconditionally loving them. So I really like to teach women from a place of that's that sort of self-love. And also I'm huge on mindset shifts in each areas of our wellness. And that has been so huge for me and really finding myself and in my wellness journey. So I'm really passionate about sharing that. So that's like my health coaching piece of things. And then I also do, I used to do corporate events. I used to do wellness events. So I now host a lot of virtual events in that realm too. But then I also, as we were just talking about, have my own podcast that I launched. It's called the Purely Podcast. And we talk about an array of different topics in the wellness, in the woman's wellness health space. And then also too, right now I am in training to become a certified Pilates instructor. So that is what I'm doing right now. And that's like another, little aspect of my business and everything. Um, But basically my goal is to really just empower women to feel their best and figure out what works for them because it's not going to be a one size fits all through all of my different platforms too. Oh, I love that so much. And I know since the last time you were on our show, so much of your personal, like you've evolved so much personally as well, not just in business. Like, yes, it's so funny. I was telling Allie, I remember Um, in that interview, you mentioned really taking your business full time and I'm sure the pandemic kind of forced that maybe quicker than, than you expected, but you've also had such a, a personal wellness evolution as well. I think like breaking up with diet culture and all of this stuff that, um, you may not have even been conscious of. So can you talk to us a little bit about your evolution in wellness just in the last couple of years? Yeah, totally. And I know, I think the last time that we chatted, I was doing the F factor diet, like, so, so like I was so obsessed with it. And obviously so much has changed since then. And I think I just got to a point, I mean, we were kind of discussing this before, but in terms of, I had all these rules, right? Like I always had all these shoulds, like I should do this sort of workout or I should eat this way. And there was always these narratives that I was following and I was wasn't necessarily doing them because I wanted to, but I was just doing them because I thought that's what I should do to look a certain way, to please a certain person and those sorts of things. And basically it's like, I had actually at the point where I figured out that diet culture was no longer working for me was at a point where I had figured out intuitive movement. Like I had figured that piece of things out. I had, I wasn't going to workouts that gave me anxiety anymore, you know, that were like spiking my cortisol all day. I was doing movement. And also it's like my verbiage had changed. I call it movement instead of exercise. And that's very intentional that I do that. So I was at that place of intuitive movement, but I wasn't at that place with my 
food and nutrition. I had a very strict set of rules and it got to the point one day where I was like, why don't I eat sweet potatoes anymore? Why don't I eat bananas anymore? And because I was in this space and I was so deep in it that I didn't realize that I was cutting out whole real foods. And I think that that is something that is so important and almost like a red flag to look for. If anybody or anyone ever tells you that you can't have a whole food that like is literally grown out of the ground or grown on the earth, then that is a red flag, like beep, 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 beep going off, like, you know? And so, and sweet potatoes in particular used to be something that I was so obsessed with. Like Ezekiel bread was another thing too, that I had just completely not cut, which is so healthy. Like I love the ingredients and, and, and I, and I don't even like to use like those labels anymore of like good versus bad or healthy versus unhealthy or whatever. Like I love the ingredients in Ezekiel bread. Right. And so that's something where I was like, why am I, why am I doing this? I used to love these things, but it also took me to slowly adding these things back in. Like I started adding in sweet potatoes and I was like, you know what? I actually, oh my gosh, it was almost like jumping out of a plane or something and realize, oh yeah, you're going to be okay. You know what I mean? It's like finding that feeling, that fear, but doing it anyways. I was really scared. I was like, well, when I consume this, I'm going to gain weight. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain weight from the car, all the carbohydrates or whatever. But I did that and I debunked my own fear you know, by, by adding it back in and incorporating those foods. So I slowly started to do that. And as I slowly started to do that, I started to consume less packaged foods that might've just been, okay, they fit like the fiber, the net carbohydrates that I'm trying to meet. And I was caring more about ingredients and also focusing on more. I I removed the focus from how I wanted to look and shifted it to how I wanted to feel. And that was like a huge unlock for me. And for me, it really was this trial and error but then there was this whole evolution too because you mentioned too of like me taking my business full time and i was talking about wanting to do that eventually so i was kind of doing that on the sides right i was kind of like just really behind the scenes i was kind of like spacing myself from a factor i was spacing myself from this diet and like any sort of rules and i was starting to feel a lot better in my body then it really became enlightened to me because I actually, when COVID happened, I was the director of events at Hello Wellness and Hello Wellness had basically like had to shut down because you couldn't have any events and virtual events. They weren't really like great to monetize, whatever. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take on, I'm going to do this thing full time. I was already kind of doing it on the side, but I said, I'm going to do it full time. And I put out this thing where I said, I am going to take on, you know, health coaching clients. I'm going to give anybody that wants to, I don't know if you guys remember, but like in the beginning of COVID, a lot of people were doing things for free. Like they were like, there was like free meditations, free workouts, all these different things. And I offered free health coaching and oh my gosh, every single person that I talked to, because a lot of my community were people that had done F-Factor. I saw so many common themes of people having such disordered relationships with food. And I was like, holy shit, it wasn't just me, you know? And that was like, it was almost this, like my, it my eyes were opening to it and people were coming to me saying like, I'm scared of this food. I'm scared of that food and kind of going down the list. And that's really what was so eye opening to me as well was hearing other people's stories that were kind of engulfed in the same community that I was. And then that even helped me heal myself more 
and then eventually really find like that food freedom intuitive eating journey, which I now really narrow in on because I do believe that a lot of times like what I focus on, it's it's a problem that I once had, you know, it's like I want to help people get away from diet culture and really just in, implement a lifestyle that's going to make you feel good and being able to ebb and flow and find out what works for you because there's not a one size fits all. So I know that was very lengthy, but it's like all the different pieces of it are, are important. No, it's, it's great. Thank you for sharing that. And there is a, there is a lot there and it's, it's pretty amazing that you were able to see that within yourself, but then also like this sort of symbiotic relationship through working with other people. It's sort of like how you were able to help them and through their own experiences, it also helped you back, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Um, one thing that, you know, I'm curious about because it's awesome, this idea of like breaking up with diet culture, the way we talk about it. And Erica and I have like had a million conversations for ourselves too about where we have internalized, um, kind of diet culture still in us or, um, and, and she and I, neither of us were net were ever, I mean, we've both dealt with being a woman in the United States and like body stuff in, you know, in this time, but we never had sort of, um, severe disordered eating of any kind or anything like that, which would be sort of like classifiable. Mm -hmm. But even that being said, it's so ingrained in us culturally that we've had to really reflect where we have these sort of like unconscious biases within ourselves, within our own relationship with certain things, certain foods. And on top of that, the other thing is, um, ingrained, fat phobia that is in our culture as well and internalized, um, in a lot of us. And she and I have even like done more research exploring like the Hayes movement, like all different sort of things to educate ourselves a little bit more about that kind of stuff. So my question for you is when you were able to have this more intuitive relationship and face the fear of like the sweet potatoes or this and that, and you realized for you, you know, you had to debunk that it wasn't going to drastically change your body to incorporate these foods, but how do you, or how, how do you, or how did you deal with the component of, I, I don't want to focus on how I look, but had you changed drastically one way or the other, do you think there would be challenge in that? Do you think people like, do you ever work with people and then they gain gain weight because they're eating in a more healthful way and a more nourishing way. And that's maybe what their body needed, but then how to like unpack the cultural fat phobia that can go along with that. Totally. And that is such a good question. And I think it's, it's something that's like really eye opening to me as well. Um, and I mean, how I coach through this, because I think that people do have that fear because of fat phobia in our, in our culture. Um, how I coach through it is just constantly asking yourself that question, how do I want to feel, right? And like, what, how is this going to make me feel? And coming back to that and having that be that narrative that you always come back to is really important. And I think also too, something that has really, that really helped me was just slowing down because I think that we live in a culture that is like 
go, 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 go 24 seven. And we do not take the time to ask ourselves, how do I want to show up in this situation? How do I want to feel in this situation? How do I want to make this other people, this other person feel in this situation? You know, so it's not just related to food. I think it's related to so much. And I think that if there was some, I think really focusing on the mindset piece of it is really helpful in kind of diving into that fear of the fat phobia piece of it too. Um, and, and I mean, it is, it's a good question because I actually really have, I haven't dealt with a lot of clients that have necessarily like gone in the opposite direction from it. I think that of course, cause I'm, I'm not like specialized with eating disorders per se, you know, cause I think that that's like a whole nother, you know, cause I think I kind of classify myself like what you guys were saying as well. Like I wouldn't say that I had an eating disorder. I think I've had like a lot of disordered eating, but it's not like to the medical sense that that is something that I had had. Do you know what I mean? But I think that especially too, a lot of times it's like, if you were gaining weight from eating a certain way or from changing your diet, from adding in like things like whole foods or whatever, then I'm guessing that you were probably at a point that you were severely malnourished and undernourished, you know, and kind of like shifting that focus to, okay, like, well, what are the positives? Okay. Yeah. Like my body might look different, but what are all the other things kind of like weighing those like pros and cons of it. Right. So that's kind of another thing too, of just like redirecting that energy and looking, okay. Yeah. So like, I am, you know, say you're thin, whatever. Okay, but if if you're thin, but then you're also stressed out, you're depressed, you can't go out and do social things, you know, you can't you can't make memories with your loved ones, you can't enjoy like anything really in life because that is your only thing that you're prioritizing, then there's where we like have a problem. So I think that like what I would recommend too and like with with my clients is I would say redirect that energy and kind of weigh out the pros and cons where, okay, yeah, say you're a certain amount of pounds heavier by eating this way, but what are all the other things that you're gaining by eating this way, by not following that diet culture, you know, and kind of like reframing. And again, that mindset shift of looking all the things that you're gaining in that, right. Of like, of feeling good, of feeling confident, of feeling like you can go out to eat with friends and not have to stress out on things ahead of time of not having these foods consume our minds. Because I think that's another thing too, with diet culture. And that's been talked about a lot too, is that like with women, it's not like men are obsessing over what they need to eat. And that also kind of like blends into other things of no, they're not there. And so they're excelling more at their careers or their, you know what I mean? Like those types of things, because they're not putting so much energy and focus into what you're eating, you know? So I think that just kind of really focusing on like, but okay, maybe that is something to deal with, like with the fat phobia, but also what are all the things that you're gaining? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And it reminds me of this article. I feel like it came out maybe like five years ago now or so. So it wasn't directed at diet culture and it might've still had some problematic verbiage in it, I'm sure. But it talked about what, um, it was an article, I think it was in the Huffington post, but it was called like those last 10 pounds, right? Like as women culturally, we've been so obsessed with losing those last 10 pounds and the article really detailed, like, but what are those last 10 pounds, right? Is it drinks with your girlfriends? Is it pizza on Friday nights with your partner, right? Like what are those 10 pounds that you would have to sacrifice to lose? And I always loved that, you know? So again, it wasn't necessarily talking about diet culture, but it reminded me of that because it's the same thing you're talking about. It's like, what are you gaining right beyond just the weight and the physical? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And also too, kind of thinking about the, like when you, th this is something that always helps me a lot with like the body stuff, because like when I say of like, oh yeah, there's nothing, you know, I, I kind of face those fears or whatever of, oh no, I actually feel better and eating this way. But I think also too, kind of just removing, again, removing that focus from how we look to how mm -hmm. we feel is so big, but also something that really helped me was focusing on like with people that I love, like what are all the qualities that I admire about them? you not one of them has to do with how they look you yeah. know like and i think that just remembering that that's really been an eye-opener for me whenever i am having those moments and thinking about those sorts of things of like the people that love you love you because of all of these amazing qualities about you and how you make them feel like how how you speak to to them you know what i mean like all these different cool things about you that you admire about other people as well it's not in how you look you know and it's like yeah. and also too with how we look like that changes so much with how we age you know what i mean like we're not going to look the same way forever we're meant to evolve we're meant to change and grow as humans like we're not meant to stay in one shape one way, one form for the rest of our lives, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point too. We talk, we've done an episode on, um, aging. Well, we did it in the context of skincare, but what I liked about it is where the conversation went was, you know, like it's a privilege to age because it means we're alive and it's not about not aging. It's about aging and feeling great along the way. And yeah, maybe there's a certain confidence to like wanting to have nice skin or whatever it might be. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having that aspect of it. I think so long as you don't put too much emphasis on like, you know, fulfilling something from that external thing. Right. But, um, it can be fun and it can help you feel great. But there's so much focus, especially in LA. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's nice that the three of us are having this conversation, but I'll do walks on the strand. And it's like, there is so much, um, how do I say this? There is so much that people try to do to not look their age. But in fact, all it does is make them look like they've done stuff to try to not look their age and mm -hmm. it doesn't make you look younger. And it's, it's not that I don't have any judgment. Like people can do whatever the hell they want to their faces or anything like that. But I think it's like, what is your why? And like, what, you know what I mean? Like, what is your why and wanting to do certain things or look certain ways? And I think you make a good point that like our bodies aren't meant to stay the same. Have they ever stayed the same since we were born? No. And no. then we have this evolution till the time we age and, and pass. And that's like all a part of the life cycle. And it's like, why would we want to, we've been taught to not embrace certain aspects of that, but that really takes us out of the moment of getting to live that day, you mm -hmm. know? And I yeah. think you make a really good point with that is that focusing on how you feel, um, is, is something that actually helps bring you into the moment not yeah. take not take you out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point of of that why, right? Of yeah. of really focusing on okay, it's okay cuz that's a, another thing too is that I think the thing that I, sometimes that I don't like about the anti-diet culture movement is yeah. that I do think that people deserve to feel like 
to feel their best yeah. and feel confident. And also, I don't think there is anything wrong with somebody that wants to maybe lose weight because they want to feel better as long as it's done in a healthy way and the why is is spot on and the and where it's coming from. If you're doing it because you think like how, you know, we were talking about on my episode, if you're doing it because you think, oh, well, if I was thinner, then I would get this opportunity. If I was thinner, then this person would love me, whatever. If you're doing it for those external reasons, then that's where it's like we have that problem or that issue. But I think that if you're doing it from a place of like, I really, I want to feel energized. I want to be able to, you know, feel really strong for those that love me. And like, you know what I mean? Like for everybody in my, in my fam, in my life, in my family, all those things. I think that why is so, so important. And I think like, but everybody deserves to feel confident in their skin. But I love that you brought up the why, because that is huge. And I think that takes a lot of mindset work. But again, I think that's another thing. It's like when clients come to me, sometimes they're scared to be like, I want to lose weight. And I'm like, that that's okay. I'm like, you're allowed to do that. But like for me and you, like when we're working together, we're not going to talk about the weight. Like I, if that's a byproduct of what we're doing, then okay. You know, if that's going to happen, then that's like, then that's great. But also like, I don't want you to focus on that. I don't want you to focus on that number on the scale. I want you to focus on how you're feeling because that's, what's going to create this longevity and this lifestyle that you're creating. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And I think we fall probably on the same line with the diet cult, the anti-diet culture movement, because, you know, the reality is I do have a 50 pound weight loss experience. I I've experienced weight loss. Um, I've, but from a healthy place from exactly like go listen to our episode on the purely podcast, cause <laughs> we talk about it over there, but I, um, I agree. I don't think whether it's your weight, or if you want to have plastic surgery, or if you want to do anything with your body, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. As long as we're unpacking, right? Like, I think for me, the most problematic nature of diet culture is that people are making money off of our insecurities, right? Like people are literally profiting off of us not loving ourselves, right? Like that self-love back to the beginning that you were talking about. And I think that's why it's like, where did these rules come from? Where did these boxes we put ourselves in come from? Why do we think, you know, because I truly believe healthy does come at every single size, right? Like we don't talk about it as often, but there are a lot of people in really thin bodies that are, um, very unhealthy, you know, including like the term skinny fat, right? Like some very thin people have more body fat than people in larger bodies, but our society doesn't demonize them at all because they look a way that society deems appropriate. So like, those are my personal issues with diet culture, right? Is like the shame and the judgment and the profiting off of women's insecurities specifically. But I fully agree that there's nothing wrong with wanting to change any part of yourself as long as we're doing it in a healthy way. And from a place of, it's not going to make us happy. We'll just, you know, be thinner or have some Botox with the same problems. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yes. that's what's going to happen. This episode is brought to you by base. 
Ever wanted to figure out why you are feeling sluggish or bloated or what's really up with your stress levels or why you never feel truly rested? With base at-home blood work kits, a simple finger prick or saliva sample makes it easy to find out the answers to common health concerns. Whether you know which tests you want to get started with or you need some guidance, BASE's proprietary assessment quiz makes it easy to begin your health journey empowered with an understanding of your own body. Members can measure, understand, and improve their health levels related to the five most common areas of health concerns, diet, stress, energy, sleep, and sex drive. The result of your hormone, vitamin, or nutrient tests are delivered to you through BASE's app and come with personalized recommendations, including lifestyle changes, supplement suggestions, and more. We both had the opportunity to try base and we love having the information at our fingertips and really recommend it as a resource. You know, we are huge proponents of advocating for your own health and base gives you a baseline information about yourself just to make it easier. Pricing starts at $59.95 per month or quarterly, or you can start with base complete, which are eight tests up front for $450. We are happy to be able to offer our listeners 20% off with the code CWPODCAST. To get started, take the base quiz, which will give you a recommendation for a personalized testing plan. Visit get-base.com slash CWPODCAST to receive 20% off with code CWPODCAST at checkout. You can also find the direct link to the quiz in our show notes. That brings me to, you know, I do think what you've experienced, right, where you, you talked about, right, like I consciously started adding in the sweet potatoes or adding in the bananas and experimenting with how this was going to impact me. And I know you work with so many people as well, where you, you bring these real whole, maybe carbohydrate rich foods back into their diet. But for anybody who doesn't have the opportunity to work with a coach, can you talk to us a little bit as well about like, where do you begin? Because I think when you've had even just disordered eating, right? Like I think yes, there are people who have had like really serious eating disorders on both ends of the spectrum from binge eating to restricted eating, um, and everywhere in between. But I think the majority of women have had just had some form of disordered eating. It can still be really, really scary, right. To eat that sweet potato. So I guess just to like break down the nitty gritty is like, what are the first few steps? Like, how do we get clear with like being able to listen to our body and like get that food on the plate that we've demonized. Totally. So the first thing that I always start with, with my clients is shifting from an elimination mindset and a restrictive mindset to an addition mindset. So I always like to educate as well, because I think there is so much information out there that it's really, really overwhelming. So I do give them kind of like a, a structure of like, okay, like these are the components that like, we want to have carbohydrates. We want to have fiber. We want to have protein. We want to have fat, because I do think that's important you know, because that's going to help you balance your blood sugar. It's going to give you energy. Like, but within those, I am so like, I tell them, I'm like, this is flexible. Like you're going to have to figure out the portions of what works for you. You know, you're going to have to experiment with it. So I tell them, I'm like, you know, experiment with these portions, experiment with adding these things into your meals and seeing how do you feel afterwards? Are you hungry an hour after? Are you hungry two hours after? Are you actually full for four hours? Like, let's get really intuitive with that. But in that, so like, 
when I'm giving them those like those things that, to tell them of like that education piece, I always tell them to end that with like, what else like when you're looking at your plate always ask what can i add here and not only what can i add here to keep me full but also what can i add here to keep me satisfied because i think that they're two very different things you know because i think it's like you know like i'm like okay well nutritionally and by the book scientifically like i should be full with just protein fat and like some sort of like fiber rich carbohydrates but at the end of the day i'm like okay well that could be eggs avocado and spinach and i'm like i'm gonna be fucking start sorry i don't know if i can swear but <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be fucking starving in like an hour if that's all that I eat, you know? So really just kind of looking at it and getting to know your body and saying like, what else can I add in here, right? So like maybe you want to add in some bread. Maybe you want to add in some potatoes. Maybe you want to add in some fruit. You know, maybe you want to add in chips to whatever it is with your meal. Because too, and like kind of thinking about it and thinking like, what am I craving? What do I want? And thinking about adding it in there. So it's like, you know, I think, and that's really good too for social situations and also for getting rid of that elimination mindset of kind of like this and you know what I mean like oh okay like I want to go out and I'm going to have you know cake or I'm going to have pizza or whatever and I'm going to have like some greens and like some protein you know what I mean like whatever it might be and also like that not demonizing any sort of foods but I think that addition mindset is huge number one and the other thing and I kind of touched on this earlier is that slowing down? Because as I was mentioning, I think we move on autopilot through our day and it takes that second to slow down and ask yourself, what is going to make me feel satisfied at this meal? Like, what is my body craving? And asking ourselves that, you know, because I think that is really important and something that we don't do anymore. You know, it's like a lot of times, I mean, especially over COVID and like during the pandemic, when people, when I was talking to my clients, they're like, I just go into the kitchen at three o'clock and I'm just like mindlessly snacking and eating because I'm starving and I forgot to eat lunch. And you know what I mean? And it's just like, and, and they're like, and then all of a sudden the entire bag of chips is gone. I'm like, okay, so next time, like we need to sit down and we need to make sure that we are actually eating or like maybe we're pausing to making sure that we're eating lunch and kind of adding those things in. So the addition mindset is huge. Um, and then the other part of it is as well is really just adding in those fear foods, whatever they are, you know? And like, for me, it's like, I think now coming to it, I'm like, oh my God, it is. It's like, I almost think it's like embarrassing. I'm like, oh, and, and I'm not saying it's embarrassing for anybody else, but I'm just like, holy fuck. Like I was scared of a banana. I was scared of sweet potatoes. Like those are, it's like crazy to be scared of. Like, it's not crazy for anybody that actually is. Cause I understand it's diet culture. It's our society. Like I was there too, but it, it sounds very wild to me now, but it is, it's adding in those fear foods and, and basically too, cause I think that that comes from that not restricting because basically when we restrict, we put foods on a pedestal and when we restrict, it crowds our ability to be able to truly listen to our bodies. Because say you're restricting, but you have this rule that you can't have carbohydrates and your body's craving carbohydrates. Like our bodies talk to us literally all the time and they're really fucking smart. So that's like something that we need to remember too, is that they are so smart. They're talking to us all the time. Like your stomach's grumbling, your mouth is watering. Like you kind of have a headache, like you're feeling groggy. Like we get these things all throughout the day. We just have to 
to learn to listen to them again. But I think that the first thing too is is removing those rules because when you have this set of rules, it eliminates your ability to be able to listen to that intuition. And because you're basically telling your body, I can't trust you to tell me what I need. I need these outside set of rules to, to tell me what to eat. Like I can't listen to my body, you know? So I think that's another thing as well of like with adding in those fear foods, that would be also like removing that restriction and removing those rules so it's like that it kind of goes along with that addition mindset but kind of looking at yourself and like i like to do this with my clients of like sitting down and and writing out like what food rules do you have like they can think about it of like do you have rules of when you can eat do you have rules of how much you can eat do you have rules on like i remember i used to have a rule that i was like well i can only have wine on thursdays or whatever you know what i mean like i can only have wine on the weekends or i can only have sugar on the weekends or a lot of people have like weekend rules you know so it's like of what types of things you can eat of how much you can eat so kind of thinking about that and like writing that out and and evaluating them and saying like why do i have this rule the reason being is because like you don't trust yourself that's why you're putting that rule on there so kind of like evaluating those rules and seeing why that you why you have them and really trying to remove them and breaking them slowly by like slower and slower and i think that the more that you remove those rules the more you'll be able to tap into that intuition and really follow this principle of intuitive eating if that i know it's a lot of different parts but it's not easy and that's like a whole other thing too is that like it's not going to happen overnight you know it's like i still have diet culture thoughts that pop up i'm not gonna lie you know what i mean like it's a lifestyle i now just have all these this like toolkit that i pull pull from when it comes up or when those thoughts come up and i know how to like kind of negate and like revert those thoughts you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and how to deal with them when they do come up and that's ideally what we would do is like really start to build that toolbox I like that. Thank you. I I think your exercise in writing, what are your food rules? It brings consciousness to it. Um, like I'm curious, like I've never done that for myself. And I'm like, do I have them? Like, let me, you know what I mean? The, the idea of doing that kind of exercise, even as someone who works with others, um, it's just sounds like a really, really great exercise because oftentimes I find that sometimes things can be so deeply ingrained that we're just not even conscious of them. Like, no, I don't have food rules, but I do this, you know, and you might not even recognize it as that, but to bring light to it by creating the time to sit down with that. I think that's a really cool exercise. And, um, yeah. And thank you for sharing for all, all the components. I think, you know, hit the nail on the head where it's not an overnight thing. It's if we've had a lifetime to learn some of this stuff unlearning is not going to be linear and, but just bringing awareness around it, as you mentioned, the mindfulness component of what you do with your clients too. It also makes me think and this, like I talk ad nauseum about too, but just from, um, our, our, um, nervous system perspective and what we need to be in, you know, our rest and digest our parasympathetic nervous system to properly absorb nutrients. Erica and I talk about this all the time in the context of gut health. And if we don't stop as you were talking about and, and create like that mindfulness or the, that consciousness around the act of eating, our food's not going to work for us in the same way either. And so I think, you know, there's so many levels to why you'd have someone do that. It makes so much sense because your body is going to be in a more relaxed state to actually absorb the nutrients that 
you're about to give it to. So exactly. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah. um, I'm curious now that you've like really done a lot of this unlearning, if that's what you want to call it for yourself, and you have all these tools that you offer your, your clients as well. Um, are there any sort of like fun wellness practices that you are embracing or that you're just excited about, um, as well, just for yourself, if not, like we've, we've talked about bio-individuality, but anything that you're really enjoying right now? Yeah. I mean, I think it just like that mindset component of everything, you know, I think that uh, like when I look back at like this journey that I've had in terms of the intuitive eating, it is very linear as well with, with me really dedicating time each day to focus on my mindset. And I think that is huge, you know, so I have, and I've developed a lot of different mindset practices because again, I think that's where it starts. Like I, I attribute like my, my background and like my history with diet culture, I attribute it, it like it, it's so deeply rooted. And I'm sure like you guys have like kind of figured this out for yourselves, obviously, too. But I'm like, I attain that I really like correlate that with my people pleasing like that I used to be literally a chronic people pleaser, you know, and why and thinking back to it of like, why did I want to be thin? It was similar to what Erica was saying of, you know, I wanted, I thought, well, if I'm thin, then like people will love me. Do you know what I mean? And if I'm thin, then I will be popular. If I, and that, that thought goes all the way back to, I literally can think about it. It goes all the way back to like third grade, you know, I was like, well, all the popular girls are skinny. So like, I have to be like that you know, and just kind of correlating those things and that people pleaser mentality. And the reason why I bring that up is because it's been so incremental for me to focus on my mindset and like the gratitude and all these practices that I have implemented in, in my life to get to that place. So like some of those are meditation. I'm obsessed with superhuman meditation and that has been able to really, it's a, a lot of it is affirmations and mindset and kind of shifting the mindset. Um, they have walking meditations, like cooking meditations, things like that, like even like body positivity meditations. Um, and then also to my gratitude journal. And I know that that it seems like very almost like superficial to a sense, because I feel like everybody now has a gratitude journal, but of what it did for me was allow me to shift from like what was going wrong each day and shifting from pleasing others to shifting to this is what's going right. And then also how can I make myself feel really good today with like those three things in the journal where it says what's going to like make today a great day, you know, and that shifted my focus from pleasing others to like, okay, well, what, how, what would make me think that it was a great day to really that that self-focus and that self-love focus that I was talking about before. So that has been really huge and it also has the affirmation. So I would say those practices like coupled with the daily stoic too, because I think that's something else. And stoicism has been something so huge in for me. And and again, this whole journey of really focusing on like what can you control. And the thing is is that 
we cannot control our physical bodies. And that's some, the one thing that we can control is our mindset. And that's something that stoicism has control has like has taught me as well. And you know, it's like you're going to have certain things that you're going to feel like your body might be working against you or things like that. And you can only, you can't control that you can control how you react to it. And you can control your mindset around it or shift your mindset around it, but you can't control other things. So I would say my mindset practices and those things in particular have been huge in like this whole journey as well. Yeah. You know, Alicia, what I love about your platform and and your Instagram page is like one of my favorite follows because you're so good at showing like the details of your day and the details of what you practice every day. And, um, I just, I think that's such an important point because even, you know, something we've learned after almost right, like 200 podcast interviews at this point, um, at least 200 people (laughs) for sure is most people I have found who are successful at whatever they're intending to do have some form of practice and all those practices look different, but it's a practice. Right. And I think when we hear the term mindset or even self-care, I think can now connotate like an eye roll because it's become so part of just like the discussion. And, but at the end of the day, like you're saying it's, it is, if you didn't have these practices, it, it is hard to just like positive think your way out of a bad body image day. Right. Or it's hard to, um, remember in the crucial moment, you know, your fundamental truth, I guess, if that makes sense. And, and I think about it a lot too, because even, even with myself and with Ali, like, of course we still work through and unpack so many, so many different things, um, within diet culture and nutrition and, and all of this stuff, even, um, sometimes the more education you have can, can sometimes be a detriment. I remember like I was with family and I grabbed like a can of diet Coke and I really enjoyed it. And then I was like, Oh, diet, right. Like even in little ways, right. Like, it's like, I, I personally fully believe like, you know, you are what you do most of the time. So what you do some of the time, enjoy that diet Coke if you love it. Um, but But that brings me back to like, when we get into those negative mindset patterns, it's easier to lean in and shorten it if we have these practices. And what I love about your platform is you share every day what those practices are. And I think that's really important for all of us to be reminded about. Yeah. And I think something that you bring up just like brought up another thought in my mind too. And I think that that's like the bounce back rate, right? Because that this is something too, in like the wellness space. And I actually shared this the other day, um, you know, and it's like, I did all of those things that I just mentioned and like, and even more, and I was still like having a blah day, you know, and I shared about that. But I also think too, the bounce back rate of those, like, you know, you're going to have these old thoughts that come up, right? You're going to have these old patterns that come up. But I think the more that you do this work, the quicker that that bounce back back rate is into that like productive thinking. And I actually was just talking with, I just interviewed somebody this morning on my podcast, Katie Horowitz, and she's talking, we were talking about like toxic positivity. And she was actually saying how she thinks like the toxic positivity movement isn't exactly, it's it's really somewhere in the gray that we need to be to, to meet, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not just good vibes only 
money. And I think that that's what connotates that eye roll when people are talking about these like mindset self-care things. I think that it's that, oh, well, yeah, you're just happy all the time. You're just meditating all the time. You're just positive all the time, whatever. And that's actually not it at all. I think it's more so getting intuitive and introspective with when those negative thoughts or negative emotions or negative situations come up and seeing how you deal with them. And instead of just saying like, oh my God, like I'm a terrible person. I shouldn't have acted in that way. Or, oh my gosh, I hate myself for doing this or for, for, you know, whatever it might be. We instead are able to be like very stoic about it and look at it and say, okay, actually, no, like this, this wasn't the best, but let's be proactively positive about it and look at it and say like, how can I dive deeper into this and kind of improve for the future? It's not that you're positive all the time. It's that you're very conscious about what you're doing. And I think that's where like the mindset and self-care stuff comes in. It's taking that time to think about and being intentional about what you're doing. You know, it's not that you're just happy all the time because that's just not human, you know? Yeah. Yes. I, I think I, I mean, I, I do agree with you and I, I think it's the way you describe it. It's almost like, it's almost like a form of spiritual bypassing with this idea of toxic positivity and you, you know, there's like a lack, you know, Erica and I have talked about this too. I think sometimes with that, there's a lack of acknowledgement or respect of someone's like actual experience. And so it's like, when you mentioned the gray area, it's like, how can we live where we acknowledge and accept like maybe someone's suffering or pain or what struggle challenge in the moment, including our own, cause we are human. And like, we have permission to have those moments and what can we do? What is the action we can take um, from this moment? There's this, there's this saying in Buddhism, it's Honimyo. Did I pronounce that correctly? Honimyo. And it's, um, is Japanese, but it's basically like the English is sort of from this moment on, because that's really all we have as the present to make a cause for the future. Um, so it kind of reminded me of that where it's like, yeah, that's okay. There might be challenge or adversity or whatever, or you might be just like feeling like shit, which is also sometimes normal, Mm -hmm. um, and okay. But how do we, you know, how do we use the skills that we have to make something good from it, create value from it on the other side. Um, so thank you for sharing all of that. And thank you for sharing your, like your knowledge and, and your just beautiful point of view. I'm so glad that you're able to share your skills with your own community now and with our listeners too. It's been a pleasure to have you back. Um, as we start to wrap up, we always have three wrap up questions. I don't know okay. if we did this back then. This might be I like think so. only the last few years. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the first one, speaking of self-care is in a very kind of realistic daily self-care kind of way. How, what are some of the things you do to take care of yourself? And do you have any non-negotiables in your day? Non-negotiables. I try to move my body in some way, shape or form each day. And I, we didn't dive into the movement piece of things, but that can mean 
literally a five minute walk. It could be a 10 minute stretch. It can be something like that. Movement is really big for me. Um, just cause I think I almost think about it as like a form of meditation in a sense, you know, and I, Nick and I do that a lot. My husband, Nick and I, we do that a lot on, you know, together. So it's like a really important, it's, and especially too, with things being so go, 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 like that's like our point of connection each day. And that's like really, really important to me. But then also to the mindset stuff that I was talking about, like my, my journal, my daily stoic my meditation those are kind of like non-negotiables as well i love that you said the non-negotiable things as well because i think that it's also about being flexible with those things because like for example when i was with my family over the holidays all i could do was like two minutes of abs it was like okay everybody like let's go on a walk or something you know and then all i could do too it's like i meditated in the corner for like 30 seconds and that's all i could get in and it wasn't first thing in the morning you know what i mean so i think being flexible with those things but also being very aware of the things that are going to make you feel good and kind of taking that time for you but i would say like some sort of daily movement is something that's really really instrumental for me thank you for sharing that The next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? I think being courageous means really embracing yourself in each different journey and each different like period and time of your life and gracefully accepting that like you are going to change your mind and you are going to change your you know what works for you and what doesn't and i think that is really really important and i think that is actually a super courageous thing to do these days to say like listen yeah i thought that like i think i was wrong now with this new information and we were kind of talking about that over on the episode that you guys just did on my podcast but i think that that is i think courageous is being able to is really being willing to dive in and really evaluate consistently what is working and what isn't and being okay with changing your mind on that Thank you. And then the last question is, do you have, um, a book recommendation? It can be on anything, um, that you'd want to share with our listeners. Yes, I would recommend the, um, the three-part series by Ryan holiday. So the first one is ego is the enemy. And then the other one is stillness is the key. And then the third one, sorry, I know you asked for one, but I'm giving three. Um, and the other one, I'm blanking on the other title. It's the ego is the enemy, stillness is the key. Oh, the obstacle is the way. That's like, if, you, if you're going to start with one, I would say start with the obstacle is the way. That was such a great book. And also it just shows you how you can find your strength through these harder times and through these harder moments. And I think also something else that I had learned from that was like looking back on any sort of, you know, hard situation or hard time in your life would you take it back if you also had to get rid of all the growth that you've had from that situation and a majority of us probably a hundred percent of us would say no you know like i would still go through that hard time because it has brought me to where i am here you know and so i think that book is a really really good one the obstacle is the way Thank you so much. Um, And if anyone wants to find you, follow you, work with you, listen to your podcast, where can they do that? 
Everything purelypope.com is the best place to go there. And then um, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, all at Purely Pope. So, and on my um, on my website, there is under the health coaching, there's like a spot to do a free consultation as well. That for I do free free 30 minute consultations. And then my podcast, the Purely Podcast, is available on all platforms that podcasts are found. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.